We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you for asking. Decent week, actually, despite being in the dog days of the offseason mm-hmm. here. We are in mm-hmm. mid-August. Decent week for Suns news. We're going to hit on a lot of stuff in this episode that we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, last week. Decent day, also, for NBA news. Yeah. Uh, decent day for... Surprisingly, NBA bombshell reports dropping at 3 a.m. Phoenix time uh, on Monday morning, which was really fun for uh, I was already awake, but I imagine really no, fun for a lot of people yet. to wake up to. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was 6 a.m. for me, which is why I was awake. But yeah, the headline of that is, does James Harden have the courage that Kevin Durant did not have <laughs> last offseason? Right. Uh, because well, what happened? Let me just clarify what happened. If anyone sure. missed it. The whole situation, and this is NBA related, but I want to talk about it anyway just because it's August. This is a nice thing to have to talk about. Um, What happened is James Harden has requested... James Harden was a free agent or could have been a free agent in the offseason. Opted into his contract, it appears, with the understanding that he would be traded. He has not been traded. Philadelphia last week leaked to the press that they plan on bringing James Harden back. James Harden at some sort of camp or promotional event in China early this morning in the U.S., as far as U.S. time, said that he that he believes that Daryl Morey is a liar and he will never play for a team that Daryl Morey is a general manager for uh, in a very dramatic way, which was also, by the way, kind of not dramatic because it's James repeated Harden. Repeated it, too. <laughs> and he repeated he it, said, yeah. He said, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will not be a part of a team that he is a part of. I will repeat that. Daryl Morey is a liar, <laughs> and I will not be a part of a team that he is a part of. Um, and and was so frank in those words that honestly, before Shams tweeted, because I saw the initial video coming out from some other reporters before Shams tweeted about it. Again, this was like literally 5.45, 6 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time for me. Uh, checking the timeline, scrolling through. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this is a deep fake. It's 2023. Oh, what a world. That's where my that's where my mind went first. <laughs> and I you know, when people use it in sports cuz we've seen it in the past in sports, I thought I was right. getting ball sacked. <laughs> For people who don't know, ball sack sports is a is a Twitter account parody. Get, Twitter yeah, account, yeah. Pa- parody, whatever. That gets people that way. And I just thought this is the world we live in now, but then Shams came out with a confirmation there were multiple videos uh, with multiple different video angles as well, sort of corroborating <laughs> for all this. And we quickly realized that this was real. But you asked also, you asked the question, does he have the courage yeah. that KD has? I, did I don't not know have. if that's the... <laughs> or that KD did not yeah. have, sorry. I, I don't know if that's so much the question because even if he did or didn't, 
there's such a talent gap between who Kevin Durant still yeah. is yeah. as a 35, 36-year-old and who James Harden is now as a 33-year-old. And that's really what prevents me from having a lot of sympathy for James in the situation. I do have some level of sympathy for him. And I think we can talk about Daryl Morey and you know questionable moves that, that he's made. And even if he has questionable ethics or not... But James Harden is just not that good anymore. He's uh, good, certainly, he's yeah, good, yeah. but certainly the book is out on him he's, as a playoff performer. He's more of an all-star is, than a superstar. He is questionably, he is of questionable goodness at this point. He's basically Julius Randle now. He used the <laughs> Houston Rockets as his escape hatch yeah. all season long, yeah. right? There were these rumors coming out, leaked by people in Harden's camp, that he wants to return. He's going back to Houston they're they're going to make it happen when he's a free agent this summer. And then all of a sudden, Houston spurns him. And Houston says, you know what? Give us Fred Van Vliet. Give us Dylan Brooks and Jock Landale with our $70 million of cap space, and we feel like we're set. Houston did not actually want James Harden at the end of the day. The thing that I find funny about it is how vague he has to be because he can't talk okay so i guess the way i'll put it is this there are two options for what he's referring to as far as daryl morey lying to him one in his last contract supposedly james harden took less money so that they could add some role players onto the philadelphia team pj tucker daniel house exactly which by the way what a disaster for both of those players because neither of them were good in Philadelphia. Yeah, obviously obviously not needle movers. But I will say this is the part where you feel some sympathy for Harden. Only in the sense, yeah, he was still making over $30 million. But he gave up about $14, $15 million per season to sign that contract with Philadelphia last summer. So that they could have extra money to go out and seek these, these role players who ultimately did not move the needle for them whatsoever. Supposedly, there was some sort of understanding that he would be paid back for that. You know, giving up money here so that when he becomes a free agent, when he becomes eligible to sign for more money, they would get him back for that. Which, by the way, is considered cap circumvention and it's not allowed. So he can't say, Daryl Morey promised me more money when I signed my last contract in this contract because that's against the rules. You you can't do that. You can't make that kind of promise. Um, it's, it's just cap circumvention. So... The other option, so he can't, so first of all, if that's what he's referring to when he says Daryl Moy lied to me, he can't say that. So he's just kind of stuck being vague. The other option, which I think is maybe both of these things are true, it's that because he could have been a free agent, he had the option to decline his final year, he opted into it, and it sure seemed like when he first initially opted into it, which feels like a year ago at this point, which is really more like a month and a half ago, it sure seemed like he did that after speaking with Daryl Morey and understanding that he would do that in order to be traded, which, by the yes. way, also benefits Daryl Morey because he could have left for nothing as far as Philadelphia is, is concerned. Maybe he would have made less. We don't know exactly what the market was for him as far as the amount of money he would make. make. But in this case, in this scenario, Morey gets something back for James Harden instead of nothing. And to be very clear, the reporting at the time, a month and a half ago when he opted in, was that it was with that expectation. Yeah. So they were expecting that the two parties would work together and find a new home for James Harden. However, from Maury's perspective, and of course, Maury hasn't responded to any of this. He hasn't said anything yet. I'm, I'm really curious what he's going to say, actually, when yeah. he's finally going to speak on this, um, because it's kind of, you know brings up questions about the player empowerment era well, and, and all that that GMs have had to deal with. But from Maury's perspective... Like I said, Houston's camp all season long, rumors about him being disgruntled in Philly, not satisfied with how their season is going. He's going to opt out and return to Houston is the rumor. When Houston turns their back on Harden, Maury is thinking to himself, well, that's it. He has no leverage. Fuck him. The deal's off. Things have changed. The circumstances have changed. Why should I honor his previous request? He has no leverage. He's not going to get a max contract anywhere else. Why should I pay more for when I don't need to? And I kind of understand that perspective I, as it's, well. Look, I think both sides are looking out for their best interests, but one side is taking more heat than the other, and that's James Harden, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen. And that's partially because of the history that James Harden has, where he forced his way off of Houston to Brooklyn and then forced his way from Bo Brooklyn to Philadelphia. But 
the funniest part about that to me is now he's forcing his way off the team. There is two sides to this. There's Daryl Morey. There's James Harden. James Harden's getting heat. But when James Harden forced his way off of Brooklyn to Philadelphia, Daryl Morey was involved with that too. There was no way Daryl Morey wasn't colluding behind the scenes to get James Harden in Philadelphia. So to me, like it's just so funny that people are like, oh, here, here he goes, James Harden doing this again. And it's like, well, last time Morey did it too. You know, like I, I just find it funny that people really are taking it out on Harden in a way. And I, and I think that in the long run, history will not look that kindly at Daryl Morey's place in all of this either. I and mean, he might even get fired tomorrow for all we know. Yeah, uh, he could. Because it's just not going very well. Now, as far I mean, as what man, the resolution is, I don't know. He he waited with Ben Simmons, who didn't want to play in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons just sat out until he was traded. And and he waited it out as long as possible until he could get James Harden. Will he do that with James Harden? Probably. I, I, it sure feels like he might. I mean, he's the one general manager I feel like might actually do that. Even before any of this happened, and certainly now everyone will say that the Sixers offseason was a disaster, but we were talking about for our Patreon feed episode, we were breaking down all the teams in the Eastern Conference just a few days ago and the offseasons they, that they had. And even then we were talking about how bad of an offseason this was for the Sixers. Yeah. They brought in Mo Bamba and Patrick Beverly. Yeah. And they lost several playable role players, guys who were like number six, seven, eight in their rotation. And Jalen McDaniels, Shake Milton, George Niang, guys who can play in the playoffs. And they brought in two guys who I don't know if they can play in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now they're probably, you know, they're not going to get a great return on a Harden deal if there's even a deal out there to be made. Yeah. It's- so the Sixers are kind of screwed. History is not going to look kindly to your point on Daryl Morey. History is also not going to look kindly on James Harden. No. Uh, but he seems be to be, he seems to not care. Which part of me kind of respects. It's just like he's like I, I don't know, but th- these guys they sign contracts with teams and then the teams can trade them a few months later in most of these cases, and players you know just have to deal with that in a way that you know is sort of unfair to them. And from the other side of that, when they try to force their way somewhere else, I it's part of me respects when they sort of pull out all the stops to try to get where they want. Is it annoying? Yeah, it's kind of annoying to watch. Am I scared of ever happening to the Suns? Yeah, of course. Like, I don't want that to happen to the team that I'm uh, rooting for. But yeah, as far as how this affects the Suns, <laughs> I don't know that it does, right? I mean, there is well, a world where the, these teams all of a sudden... Like, can you think of another team that could use James Harden at this point? Uh, Besides the Clippers? <laughs> I saw Bill Simmons joking about uh, <laughs> poking, fun at, poking fun at House, who came on our pod a little while ago, saying that the Wizards should get him. I thought that was really funny. Um, they do feel like the kind of team that would make a big swing for a player like James Harden. Right. Because, yeah, in general, he's too big of a risk for most contenders. Uh, certainly, he doesn't make sense for the Suns. Yeah, had no. a couple people reach out on, on Twitter asking yeah. about, like, should the Suns go for James Harden? And I'm like, of course not. Why, why should they go for a guy who is clearly... I mean, I will say this for James. Still a good playmaker. But the finishing numbers have just dropped so much for him over the past couple of years. Not to mention the, the questionable production in the playoffs. He's just not good enough to yeah. justify taking the ball out of Booker's or Durant's. Arguably even Bradley Beal's hands. He's just not good enough anymore. Doesn't make sense. There's two teams. And uh, I don't think it makes sense for a lot of contenders either. I'll just say this. We can move on if we'd like, but... I think there's two teams that, well, I guess you could make the case for three teams, but there are two teams for sure that you and I kind of said, we went we went through every team in the NBA over the last two weeks, and we talked about their off seasons. There's two teams that stood out as teams that we said, what are they doing? Besides Philadelphia, by the way. The two teams that we said that for was the Chicago Bulls and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I only mentioned those two teams to say, should they do this? I don't know that it fixes anything. <laughs> For either of those teams, maybe the Timberwolves, if they could trade Cat, would they? I don't know. What would the Bulls trade? Like Levine? It would have or? to be DeRozan. DeRozan or only DeRozan. has one year left on his deal this next year. So from I already looked at that trade. And from a perspective of just the contracts lining up, that's the one that actually makes sense. Then you could say. I don't hate that for Philly. I don't hate I that. No, no. I think it's pretty good for Philly. The, the question you have to ask is why would Chicago do that? It yeah. doesn't make them better. I actually think they probably win more games um, in the regular season, but I don't think they improve really at all as a playoff product. 
<laughs> they're basically mm-hmm. exactly the same. Um, Or maybe worse (laughs) once James Harden turns into a pumpkin. You know, I I don't know. Can't say Atlanta because that's another team we weren't sure about what they did. uh, You know, that makes no sense basketball-wise. Yep. We'll see what happens. The only other thing I guess to say here is just referencing Devin Booker's role. You know, you, you, you talked about being scared that this would ever happen to the Suns. It's a new era. It could one day. But I expressed my general satisfaction on Twitter earlier today just with the fact that Devin Booker would have had so many reasons to leave us already, and he's never pulled a stunt like this. And it's happening several times every season now that we see it with a new star player, new disgruntled star, um, even you know guys like Kevin Durant, who now I'm rooting for. Hope Kevin Durant succeeds this year by all means. I'm a big fan now, but uh, there's something extra special to a guy with the character of Devin Booker, there's a reason Suns fans love him so much. I think from the perspective of a general manager needs to understand what you just said there in that it's that's it's the new era of the NBA where this can sort of happen at any time. And uh, from that perspective, I do give credit to James Jones for constantly reshaping this team. Now, we, of course, had last offseason where Kevin Durant held us in hostage, which is a sim- similar thing happening uh, I guess you could say to the Clippers and the Philadelphia 76ers, the Heat and the Portland Trailblazers, four teams are going through that right now. Um, but outside of that, this team has essentially improved, I think, their postseason chances at every season since general manager, since James yeah. Jones became the general manager. The so. the incremental success is really what did it for them. I think frequently about how if that bubble run didn't happen, I think it might have ended right there. That was such a bizarre end to that season but James Jones coming in and just providing like that little bit of talent just to stabilize the roster. You had Ricky Rubio, you had Aaron Baines, you had mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to jump from being a 19-win team to a 55-win team with Chris Paul. Not to mention that those incremental moves are what enabled the Chris Paul trade in the first place. You jumped to the mediocre basketball, and then you were able to push yourself into better positioning with the Chris Paul trade. But like, if that fifth year James Jones had come in in his first full-time season... And uh, and the Suns had won like 25 games again. Booker was in his fifth season by that point. He was averaging like 27 and six assists. And if they were still that bad, I just I think it might have been over there. He was in his second contract at that point. He could have forced himself out. Yeah. Of that situation. I guess with enough it's possible. Will. Yeah. He just doesn't seem like he's built that way. Which I, I was he'll never admit it for that. Right. He'll never admit it. He never talks to the media about this stuff. I hope one day we get some sort of interesting retrospective from him on his career because, I mean, it's just like a feeling that I have, but I feel like we were closer to closer to a disaster scenario than anyone lets on. So we know when the Suns are playing next. We know the preseason schedule. We know the first game of the year. I'm excited to talk to you about it, and I think it will be an interesting uh, season I can already tell just from these two games that they announced in the regular season but let's talk about the preseason schedule first Suns basketball returns officially on October 8th in Detroit which Less by the way two months away suspicious that they start their season right next to where Matt Ishbia lives right <laughs> the well I wasn't even thinking about that I was just thinking this is the funniest pot how many when was the last time we played Detroit in a preseason game. But never. That's why I feel like it's suspicious. I'm used to preseason being like, yeah, let's take it easy. We'll go to LA. We'll go to San Antonio. We'll, well fly yeah. to the, the Adelaide we'll fly to 36ers the are, are duck in the smoke, man. The Adelaide 36ers. They don't want to come yeah. play Durant now. But Detroit, I wasn't even thinking about the Ishbia ankle, man. Just the fact that they're starting us off against Monty is hilarious to me. It's, in a preseason, it feels a little bit like Matt Ishbia wanted them to play in Detroit. I mean, look, Devin Booker's from near there as well, so it's kind of cool for both of them. Um, but that game on Sunday, October 8th, followed by the Denver Nuggets, Tuesday, October 10th, which I'm excited about as well. And then back-to-back games. It seems like early in the season or in preseason, one or the other, the Suns always play back-to-back games against the Portland Trail Blazers. I wonder if they'll do it again in the regular season or if the new schedule the way they're doing the group games doesn't allow that kind of thing to happen as often Um, but thursday october 12th monday october 16th are the games against the trailblazers one at portland one at home and then finally the last preseason game is a home game for the lakers 
Thursday, October 19th, and it says Palm Desert, California. Do we know what that means? I didn't read the press release. No, I don't. I wonder I if they're playing the somewhere. Maybe they, Remember when they used to play preseason games in that outdoor tennis arena? Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was really um, cool. Palm they Desert. should do that again. Where the hell is Palm Desert? Uh, well, it's in California. That's as far as I know. <laughs> but that's Thursday, October 19th. Preseason, I guess the reality of preseason is none of it matters that much, but it will be the first time we see those three uh, guys on the court together, uh, as well as all the other brand new guys who will probably pl- play more minutes than they'll play in the regular season. So we'll see something like Eric Gordon playing more minutes, Watanabe playing more minutes. Chemezi Metu, Metu, 30 minutes a game. Yeah, playing more minutes, and that's kind of fun. Yudoka Azabuki. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, know, what, uh, we know what it's all about. Anything stand uh, sorry, out in the up. preseason schedule for you? Where the hell is Palm Desert? Okay, so it's in Coachella Valley. <laughs> sorry, I'm still looking this up. Oh, it's, it's uh, it's a, yeah, it's two hours from LA. Um, it's kind of like halfway, but not halfway because it's in California. But it's kind of between the two places. So uh, yeah, they're going. They're going to the desert, aptly named. I wonder why, I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why they're playing there. It's just so. Maybe yeah. it is an outdoor arena. It's uh, it's near Palm Springs. Just outside of Palm Springs, that makes sense as well. It looks like I don't know. Maybe we have maybe we have a listener who lives in Palm Springs or Palm Desert could give us more information uh, about it afterwards. But yeah, I don't know why they're playing there, but it should be fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to all of these games again. That they're starting against Detroit is freaking hilarious. Um, but otherwise, what are we looking for in preseason? We are looking to establish basically a strong eight to ten man rotation. Yeah. And just see we the get guys. anything. See the guys in the Just see the guys. If we, yeah. If, yeah, if we get some like more nice minutes out of I don't know Tumani Kamara or Jordan Goodwin or some of these guys who are who are, who are just younger that we're expecting some development from, that would be nice. Um, some good bull bull minutes. Yeah. Start off on a high note with bull bull so that I can set the narrative early on and dunk on you <laughs> as early as uh, as preseason. Is game he one. younger so than Tumani? See what happens. Uh, I'll look that up for you. <laughs> I'm kind of curious right now as well. I feel like he we looked be. that up recently, but I can't remember. He's he's young. He's pro- he might be our youngest player. I guess is a point I was going to bring up there, or Jordan Goodwin might be close too. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But the next thing is the actual opening game, which is five days after that last preseason game, and that is in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors, as predicted on this podcast. The NBA is trying to ensure that Kevin Durant plays in front of fans in San Francisco for the first time since he left that team. And they're doing that Crazy. by putting him there on the first game of the season, right? Crazy that it's been that long, yeah. uh, first of all. I for, think he for played one time matchup. there during COVID when there was no fans in the arena. And that's when there the were only no time. fans. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot about that. By the way, to answer your previous question, um, Tumani is the youngest player we have. Mm-hmm. Um, he is 200 days younger than Bol Bol. There's your answer. Um, right. But yeah, for, for this opening matchup against Golden State, I mean, obviously there's that narrative. And then the other narrative we have Chris is Paul. getting to just enjoy the gradual, slow, gradual <laughs> destruction of the Warriors franchise courtesy <laughs> of Chris Paul. No, I'm kidding. But I am going to enjoy the drama from afar. And um, it is not lost on me. All that could possibly go wrong in Golden State this season. They they obviously will be at home and they will have a strong home court advantage. They are always a difficult difficult place to uh, to win on the road, but that should be a really fun one. Just an obvious rivalry for the NBA to promote and uh, yeah, expect. Uh, I don't know. Maybe all of our we're going to get four games against Golden State this season. Are all of them going to be nationally televised? I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe two or three. At yeah, least. I mean probably. Uh, that's that's a good question. I would I would guess probably just because the combination of the Warriors are going to get a ton and the Suns are going to get a ton. So why not? Why not make those nationally televised? Um, do you? I guess we don't have to talk about this too much, but I I am sort of thinking about the, that team strategically. You know, the question of whether or not they start Chris Paul is going to be a question. But if they start Chris Paul against the Suns, he's going to have to. What's he going to do? Who's he going to guard? <laughs> that's going to be a really tough situation for him. Because he's either, gonna guard either he's guarding whoever. I guess it could be a Kogi. Kata Bates Diop. You know, slash but if Kogi it's Kata Bates Diop, he's guarding a six nine guy with seven foot three wingspan. Which yeah. you know, of course he's or crafty. What if but even, e- what if they even do what you've been kind of bargaining for recently? We're gonna have to have, by the way, a more in depth discussion about this. 
pretty soon. I feel like we're not there yet. But if the Suns go ahead and say, screw it, we're going all offense, let's start Eric Gordon. Because I know you've brought that up. Right. Eric Gordon's taking that matchup personally. Yeah. Those are two guys I, I th- suspect they have a good relationship. Yeah, they're they friends. They're from, obviously from what former, we know, they're former friends. Former teammates. Yeah. Friends. Uh, but Eric Gordon's cooking him. Eric yeah. Gordon's going right at Chris Paul. If Eric Gordon, even if he's the fifth option on the Suns, if he's starting in that particular matchup, I feel good about his chances um, being able to cook Chris Paul. That being said, I don't think Chris Paul's going to start. If they start Chris they're Paul, they're putting Draymond at center. That means Draymond's probably guarding DeAndre Ayton, and they have to guard Kevin Durant with Andrew Wiggins. And, you know, Clay, yeah, and Clay Thompson is going to guard one of Devin Booker or Bradley Beal. And then, you know, Steph Curry's probably going to guard the other. Which mm-hmm. doesn't make a ton of sense for them, and you know, it might it might work in the first game of the season. But once the Suns really start uh, clicking, that would be an interesting lineup. I think they probably have to start looning against the Suns. And and look, as far as the Warriors are concerned, maybe they don't care about any sort of matchups in the first game of the regular season. They're just trying to get their starting lineup set. But I I don't know. We don't have to talk too much about it because we're gonna know a, lo- a little bit more about what's happening by the time preseason comes. But I I did find myself thinking about the strategies against these teams as soon as they announced because um, I want to win. Yeah. You know, the Suns are going to be on national TV. Right. It'd be nice if they won. And and at the end of the day, it's going to be fun because of the amount of offensive, uncer- uh, defensive too, but mostly offensive uncertainty that's underlining the storylines for both of these teams. Uh, Golden yeah. State, whether they start Chris Paul or not, they are going to have a lot to figure out. They might look like a hot mess on game one. And the same yeah, might be true for might, us. Yeah. They have three guys that have played uh, like hundreds of games together. The Warriors yeah. do, right? So right, and right. the Suns don't. So yeah. they do have that advantage at the very least. Potentially four guys in that starting lineup if they start Looney. Um, the other game that was announced, another one that we sort of speculated at, and I wonder if you're surprised at this one. And that's Christmas Day at home, mm-hmm. by the way, against the Dallas Mavericks. They clearly are going to lean into the fact that what we talked about in our beef episode. Devin Booker, Luka Doncic don't like each other, don't care who knows it. And now that yep. battle will be on Christmas Day. Hopefully a game where Devin Booker gets to play, unlike last Christmas where he played four minutes. What do you think uh, about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the sense that there are multiple factors um, building towards there are reasons why the NBA wants to promote Dallas, right? It's not the biggest market, but it's one of the bigger markets uh, in the NBA. Luca is Luca. Kyrie is a superstar as well. Uh, but on the other hand, like I just thought they and well and the the rivalry that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but they also just sucked last year, so I thought they didn't deserve this spot. I thought like Christmas Day is really sacred to me. You only get ten spots. Yeah, only ten teams can go. The, the it's NBA more exclusive. Needs, the NBA needs them to be good, right? Yeah, they I want know. they it's, want Luca to be that guy. It's I know they need him to be that guy, but yeah. like the the a Christmas Day spot to me is more sacred. It's more exclusive <clears throat> than a playoff spot, even. So to me, it's really important that you pick right. Uh, and they just wouldn't have been one of the five teams in the Western Conference that I picked to like deserve that spot. But I get it. I think they'll bring in good ratings. I think the Luca Booker rivalry is probably making the commissioner's office salivate. Uh, so I get it. I, I I understand why they made that decision. I think we're a better team. And I feel good about our chances in that one. Uh, but obviously anything could happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Dallas Mavericks look like by that point. They never really looked good post-trade. And they haven't made a ton of changes, as we talked about on our recent episode two weeks ago as well, since they made that trade. Other than, yeah, they really haven't done much. So I, I'm interested to see what they look like at that point, And uh, hopefully the Suns can take that one on Christmas Day. I have thought about the fact that Christmas will be as toxic as possible online, which does kind of suck <laughs> to make that day in particular extremely toxic. Um, so yeah, my recommendation to most people is stay off off the internet during that game and just let it play out the way it plays out and have fun. I don't with know. I say uh, go on the internet. You mean lean into yeah, it, right? Be, be be a little bit of a gremlin. Make, I don't know. It's Christmas like, like the bear. Have you watched the Christmas episode of the bear yet? Of the bear. Yeah, actually, okay. I was was meaning to tell you. It took me forever to watch season two because I was watching with someone else. We had yeah. to watch on the same schedule. But uh, finally got there. And yeah, season two is awesome. Yeah, uh, that, uh, the Christmas that episode Christmas episode. Is, that's is, what that's what the Mavs versus the Suns on Christmas Day is going to be like. I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is Luca is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, character. Yeah, they look alike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay. 
so that's what we know about the schedule so far any other thoughts and we can take a break uh no i think the only other thing probably to say to people is the full schedule should release this week oh they so. did announce the lakers game was the second lakers suns is the second game of the season as well i forgot about that one i think mm, i i to be honest i'm not sure i even saw that um but i'm expecting the full schedule to drop any day now yeah. so we should be able to come back with uh, a fuller analysis i guess of what it looks like obviously how many national tv games they'll have i anticipate many <laughs> i don't think there's going to be too much drama yeah, there yeah uh but remember nba tv games don't count i mean they'll include them in the number but they don't really count uh espn tnt broadcast those are the broadcasts that we're really after in terms of being meaningful for national audiences uh and yeah we'll we'll get to more of that analysis when we get it but should be soon yep should be next week uh so we'll talk about that next week let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about the ring of honor We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Sam, Sham Sharania announced, along with the Suns, really the Suns announced, that Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion will finally be inducted into the Suns' Ring of Honor in separate ceremonies this upcoming season with their jerseys also being retired. So no players will be able to wear their numbers strategically with Amari Stoudemire, of course, picking number 32 because the other yeah number- we're just gonna we're, <laughs> we're just gonna gloss over that aspect of it and pretend that that that's fine that part doesn't matter it's finally happening though and this is something yes. we've talked about on this podcast before we've asked for it i guess is a better way to put it we it, talked about this for years i think it's years. not a coincidence that this is happening under a new ownership group i think there's a good chance that amari stoudemire and sean marion looked back on part of their time with the suns in a negative light because of the previous owner of the Suns. Now there's a new one. They can look back on it a little bit differently. Both guys ending kind of unceremoniously um, their time with the Suns, with Amari Stoudemire being told, this is a story he told, being told by Robert Sarver that he could be replaced, and then the Suns signed Hakeem Warwick and Hito Turkoglu, and Sean Marion, of course, being traded. And Josh Childress. Josh Childress, Don't yeah. dis- Don't disrespect Josh Childress, the third piece of that puzzle. Of course. And Sean Marion, of course, being traded for... Shaq and, and, and just sort of being one of the biggest mistakes I think the Suns had made in the Steve Nash era. But now yeah. they'll be redeemed and the, those yes. jerseys will hang in the rafters, if you will, in that ring of honor. And uh, yeah, what was your first thoughts when hearing about this? 
I mean, th- this news made my week. Uh, I've been waiting a few days now since the news dropped for us to get a chance to talk about this because uh, I think both of us, we share, we're different ages, right? But we yeah. both share this experience of this era of Suns basketball is what brought us into the fan base. Um, you know, we reference older Suns history sometimes too, but like I can appreciate what a legend like Charles Barkley or or any of the guys from that era, or if you go back even further, I don't know, Alvin Adams, Walter Davis, whoever, I can appreciate what all of those people did in their respective eras of Suns history. But at the end of the day, I didn't grow up with those teams. I grew up with the seven seconds or less Suns. Yeah. And I went through different phases with each of the big three as my favorite player. Um, I think most consistently, to be honest, I was always a little bit of a hipster. So I think most consistently, if you ask me who my favorite player was, it was probably Marion of the three. Right. Uh, but I went through phases with all three of them, and and they meant so much to my formative years of why I love the sport of basketball. To be honest with you, this past week, since this news came out, I don't even play a lot of 2K anymore. I know you don't either. Yeah. Such a frustrating game in so many ways. <laughs> Same damn game every year, yada, yada. Um, but this past week, I've been booting it up so much because you know how they have the classic teams. Right. And I've just been right. going back. Yeah. They've got the 0405 team in there yeah. with that Joe sounds, Johnson and fun. Q as a fourth and fifth starters. Um, the rosters still always piss me off a little bit because they're not totally accurate and, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, I've just been going back and playing with that roster a ton and just kind of like sitting in my nostalgia and just enjoying it and savoring it. By the way, also confirmed here that... Uh, each guy will have their own individual induction night. So they're not like sharing the same ceremony, so to speak. But yeah, my first reaction was that this is awesome, awesome news. I had somewhat lost hope in them ever doing it. Ishbia comes in and again, scores another win. Easy PR. An easy win too. Yeah. It's just one of those things that Suns fans have been asking for. There's no downside in this at all. And then there will be an opportunity for tickets to be sold to that. You know, I, I was there when Steve Nash was inducted and it was an amazing event. You oh, were there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in the I arena. I forget that, man. I forget that. Wow. And, you know, he was completely wasted and, and uh, spoke way too long during halftime and it was hilarious. <laughs> At a certain point, Al McCoy had to like grab him and, and take him off of away from the mic because it was going to never end. It was incredible. And all the other Suns legends were in attendance, you know, because mm-hmm. all the other Ring of Honor guys who can get there, get there for those nights. And I'm sure it'll be the same uh, this season, whereas a lot of guys will be in Phoenix in general just because there's a lot I going would, on um, here. I would hope Steve is there at both nights and that he has a chance to speak a little bit himself, not to take the spotlight away. <laughs> you know, in, in many respects, Steve taking the spotlight away from a guy like Sean Marion was maybe one of the reasons that led to <laughs> that sure Marion for now. Shaq trade. Yeah. But yeah, time heals yeah. old wounds and, and they've got some space between them. I'm sure it'll be right. fine. Yeah. But I well, hope Sean Marion the is chance. the one with the championships, so I'm sure he feels fine. Uh, exactly. I hope he at least has the chance to, to be there and, and support his former teammates. That is, you know, I'm looking at the leaders uh, on the Suns for games, minutes played, field goals, you know, all kinds of stats on basketball reference. And Sean Marion is all over it. It's just insane to see how much he did for this team. And was such, it was just a guy who could do kind of everything on the floor relatively, uh, relatively well. And, you know, of course, Amari Stoudemire. Now, I will say, I did not. I think uh, Sean Marion was drafted, what, 99, I think? Is that right? Yeah. Um, he was, was he? Something yeah, he like was drafted that. 99, and Amari was 02. Yeah, and I didn't become a Suns fan until 2005, so I missed the 0405 season. I mean, I've, I watched it from an NBA perspective, but I watched every game basically from 2005 until now. <laughs> and uh, so I really fell in love with both guys, but, you know, had a lot more time watching Amari Stoudemire because Amari Stoudemire was around after Sean Marion was on the team. You know, one of my memories of what the first thing I think of when I think of Sean Marion is the Suns really shouldn't have traded him and how frustrating that season was immediately afterwards with Shaq where they lost their entire identity. And whereas when it comes to Amari Stoudemire, I think one of the first things I think of is that 2010 run, which was nowhere near his peak. You know, he was unbelievable before his injuries, and I wish that I got to see more of that as a, a Suns fan. And I am jealous of Suns fans that got to see, you know, Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire be drafted and sort of watch them grow into the players that they became, which is sort of when I started watching, when they were kind of peaking athletically. And it's just fascinating to look at what they've done 
for the team. When I think of uh, Stoudemire, I think of that 2010 run. And then, of course, I think of just the aggression at the rim. I remember Jalen Rose covering the NBA back then used to call him the LeBron James of the paint, which is funny because LeBron James is the LeBron James of the paint. But I think the point that he was trying to make is as dominant as LeBron James was everywhere, Amare Stoudemire was in the paint. And that's how good of a player he was, just unafraid to dunk it on everyone at all times. And just an unbelievable player. And then with Sean Marion, I think Sean Marion, the way people talk about Sean Marion, I feel like just kind of is right now. You know, like he's sort of given that credit of starting he's, what became the NBA now, right? We talked earlier about James Harden will not be looked kindly upon in NBA history. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic. Yeah. James Harden, in some respects, changed the game as well, for sure. Yeah. Um, but Marion is a guy very much, even though, you know, it took him a while to win the championship ring, but he got it. Um, he wasn't at his peak, but he still got it. He still played an important role with that Dallas team. And ultimately, he, he is... His game is redeemed. He stared down LeBron James NBA in the history. finals, crossed him over, and scored at him in one of the biggest moments of the NBA sure. finals. And it was unbelievable. I mean, what made me fall in love with Marion as opposed to the other two guys is just the the constant hustle, obviously, the defensive impact and all that. But just being a guy who could get to 20 points without having a single play called for him. And yet when he needed his number called, when you needed him to step up, when there were seasons like the season where Amari was out and suddenly Marion was the number one scoring option. He led the team in scoring. He had some of the most sensational performances that you would ever see. I think about that year. This was 06, second round against the Clippers. They had to go to seven games against that team. Uh, Marion averaged, I want to say, like close to 30 points per game in that series, Crazy. that second round series on one end and so he's their go-to score like they are running plays for him he is working the pick and roll with nash and on the other end he's like playing a lot of possessions guarding elton brand in his absolute prime on the other end who has like 60 pounds not 60 but has like 30 40 pounds on him like what he was able to do in terms of his versatility people call him a, a a draymond prototype sometimes but i think honestly that's pretty disrespectful like the level he was of such a better offensive, offensive player yeah the level yeah and and granted he may not have had the playmaking I'll no, give he doesn't him on that. he didn't yeah but everything else he was such a phenomenally talented offensive player compared to a guy like draymond like it it, it is pretty disrespectful to even compare the two um marion only ever made an all nba third team it's unbelievable which and I didn't he never make a defensive team too and he never made a defensive <laughs> team which is even even more insane but you know that's really just that's just a prime example of his teammates on the suns letting him down because the voters would just not allow a player coming from an average defensive team make um, be selected to one of those teams even though Marin was uh he was would doing now all though. the legwork the voting has changed I think now, he would now i feel like yeah I think he, he, would, he would get that credit and now. also for for the all nba stuff like i was thinking about this with amari too amari was going toe to toe with tim duncan uh kg and dirk nowitzki marion was going toe to toe in the forward voting for the all nba team with all those guys too though and the fact that you had those three bona fide first ballot hall of famers just who you knew were going to be taking up spots every single year crowded the field so that I think there's less competition uh, on the on the wing and at the forward spot now. Yeah, like I think right. if Marion played in today's league, he would be on some first or second teams. Yeah, he'd be averaging 24, 25 points per game, 13, 14 rebounds. He'd be well, on all defensive teams, respected as one of the top defenders. He'd be taken and hitting more threes. Even though I recognize that his form obviously was was weird. It did matter, but it didn't you, matter. You had, he made him. Suns fans all knew. You just had to get over that. I, I think he he played in an era where you could have a guy on your team that was all defense and they didn't do anything else. You know, the Tony Allens or whatever. And so he was competing against players like that. Whereas now you have to do something offensively in order to play in the NBA. And it's actually the reason he would fit so well in today's game. He could be that all defensive level defensive player on one end and still be incredibly effective offensively and you know the famous thing they used to talk about it every game the announcers would talk about it with Marion you don't even have to run a play for him and it's true 
because he can be effective off the ball as a shooter, as a cutter. He could drive on closeouts, or he can get the offensive rebound himself. He had that second jump ability. The quickest second jump I've still ever seen in the NBA to this day. To this day. And it's like he would, you know, I think Amari in some ways would struggle a little bit now to be uh, the player that he was as dominant as he was. Now he would still be incredibly effective, but defensively he would have to even get better than... Uh, you know, because it was obviously always Amari's problem in the past. He also, he probably would have been a three-point shooter. And he would have to shoot threes now. Yeah, I think he would kind but, of have But to. I think he could have. And he yeah, I do too. I actually do because, you know, maybe it would have taken him time to develop it, but I think he could have. Whereas Marion, you could drop onto, like Marion would be a perfect fit on the Suns now. You could drop, if you took Marion from his prime, you could drop him onto any team in the NBA and he would be effective because he can guard one through four and maybe even five on a lot of teams, probably five, on a lot of teams and be effective on both sides of the court right now. It's a, he's a fascinating player. And I think when people talk about him now, like I said, the narrative on Sean Marion, I think has come around to being accurate in some ways his cause you know, the other part of Sean Marion that maybe we don't need to talk about, but it is part of the story with Sean Marion. It's that he was unhappy a lot of that time on the suns because he wasn't getting the credit. He wasn't getting the plays run for him because of all of the ways he was effective without that. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about his career, I think, is that he left, you know, became the star in Miami, and it didn't work. But then he was able to win a championship in Dallas. And now I think the narrative on him has come around in a way to give him the credit that he wanted. But what's funny is that credit is for what he was doing on the Suns well, more for, than anything else. him. An experience that humbled him because he had to embrace a new role and and understand that he was entering a new chapter in his career. And that's just life. Everyone, you know, is on that path and everyone gets around there eventually. Remember, Miami wasn't even the final stop for him before he got to Dallas. I think he also played like a season and a half in Toronto. He did. After that, on some really mediocre Toronto teams, maybe Chris Bosh was on that team, but like just not not a good Toronto team when I think about the Toronto Raptors in the mid-late 2000s. Um, So it took him a while to get there. But he eventually did. To be an obnoxious stat nerd for a second, uh, I think we pointed out, so Marion's fifth on the all-time Suns leading points list. Amari is seventh. If you're curious, by, curious, by the way, uh, about where Devin Booker is, he's already fourth. He's already passed both of those guys. That's so crazy. Uh, but if we scroll on down over to everyone's favorite stat, value over replacement player, mm-hmm. Sean Marion is the all-time Suns leader in VORP. And win shares, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, those those advanced stats. They love even defense. If he wasn't, rebounding, yeah. Even if he wasn't necessarily getting the credit that he felt that he deserved, um, stat nerds always loved Sean Marion. If you played fantasy basketball in the mid two thousands, yeah. you loved Sean Marion. That's for sure too. He was also, I, and I should mention as part of this conversation, second all time in minutes played for the Suns. So that affects that as well. But I think that's an incredible stat with Sean Marion that I did not realize personally until I was looking at this. Devin Booker's not even, he's like 6,000 minutes, 7,000 minutes away from Sean Marion in minutes. That's how much Sean Marion played. First of all, he never got injured, but also played on the Suns for a long time, almost 10 years. And uh, and yeah, now we're able to actually honor him for, for what he did for the franchise. And I'm really excited. I hope to go to both of those nights if I can afford tickets, I'm like a little bit afraid of what Matt Ishbia is going to charge for tickets this upcoming season with the amount of money he's spent uh, yeah. on the team. I really have no yeah. idea. Like, I there mean, he's be, making the games free on you, TV. Man. So, like, I don't know. some sticker shock. Yeah. There might be. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. To, to there were there out. were a couple other things. Did you catch, by the way, both of these guys had interviews on uh, Arizona Sports 98.7 last week. Did yes. you catch those interviews? I didn't listen to all of... I listened to the Sean Marion one. I didn't listen to all of the Amari Stoudemire one yet. There were a couple of interesting things I wanted to bring up uh, relating to their era, but also maybe connecting it a little bit to our, to our current era in some ways, too. The one that caught me off guard with um, Marion, he, he complains... Look, he's a bit of a ranter. He's always been this way. He kind of he goes on rants. You can kind of tell he's a little bit of an angry guy about stuff. He doesn't necessarily let stuff go. Um, and that's okay. But he was talking about how ultimately why he felt that some of those teams didn't win a championship. And he pointed out the fact that he, he felt their downfall was that they weren't going deep enough. It's interesting because like one thing that I know Steve has talked about 
um, relating back to that era is he talks about how he really wished that D'Antoni in particularly in, in particular had um, leaned even more heavily into their offensive philosophy and, and shot more threes and pushed the pace even more and all that stuff. I thought it was interesting to hear Shauna talk about how um, he thought they were all playing too many minutes, that they weren't deep enough, right. that they needed more of a bench. Do you feel like that's more of a shot at, and, and obviously he didn't mention him by name, but do you think it's kind of a little bit of a shot at D'Antoni and the way he managed those teams? Yeah. Or do you think it's more of a shot, which is the other way I think you could interpret this, again at Robert Sarver, who, as we know, in the mid-2000s, yep. the Suns had opportunities to add Dan. Luol Deng. Luol Deng. Yeah. Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo. Imagine if Rudy the Suns, Fernandez. If the Suns had just those two players alone, I think in those early runs, they probably would have won a championship. In a span of four years, the Suns traded three first-round picks that became Luol Deng, Rajon Rondo, and Rudy Fernandez. And yeah. if they had even two of those three guys, Rudy Fernandez, by the way, years, still plays for Spain. <laughs> Rudy Fernandez did not become a, a. He was not on the level of those other two guys. But to be sure, he played a few years in the NBA, had his cup of coffee, and he was a he was a valuable role he player. He would have helped like guys seventh, play less minutes. Yeah who would have helped yeah. in those playoff runs. And the Suns just booted their ability to get any of those guys. And that responsibility falls squarely on Sarver, uh, yeah. not, on, not on anyone it's, else. It's That's both. It's a, it's a shared responsibility, but I don't know that... You know, D'Antoni had good play, er, players that I perceived as good players on the team that he didn't play anyway, one, you know, later on. So I'm not sure. I think that's kind of on both of them. But I think you're right that if he had better players, that maybe there would have been more pressure to play them. I don't know that that's the reason that they didn't win. You know, you can jump into conspiracies, of course, but <laughs> we don't have to do that. Uh, yeah, well, and they they covered they covered how they felt about that with Amari too, actually. And so the thing that Amari said that I thought was interesting is he just talked about how he thought what made them so successful. His interview was with Bickley and Murata, I think. Um, he he noted every one positions one through five was in top shape, and he really focused hammered home the point about. Nobody could keep up because they were conditioned so well. It was obviously they were playing yeah, small right. ball. So Amari was at the five and he he was just faster than fives in the NBA that day. Marion was at the four. He was faster than fours. But even Steve was in the prime of his career and he was conditioned so well. Um, a lesson that I think we could take into the season this year for the Suns as we exit the Chris Paul era. And we've talked a little bit in the past about, look, we've got a lot of talented isolation scorers on this team but maybe we would benefit from kicking up the pace a little bit and really focusing on the conditioning. And another reason I bring this up, yeah. you saw that video yeah. of DeAndre Ayton working out a couple days ago. I know you did, so don't pretend that you didn't. No, no, I definitely did. And I had the same reaction as you. And I'm going to say the 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 skill work that he's doing, for anyone who didn't see the video, he's just doing some skill work, finishing around the basket, you know, doing some that layups, part's dribble moves, yeah. whatever. That part's whatever. And the reason that part is whatever for me is because he's not playing a defender. It's it's defenseless basketball, so it doesn't do anything for me. But what marks both of us, he looks lean. Yeah. He looks like he shed some weight. And I was and I the same as you. If that's if there's a strategy there. I was the same as you in that the first time I saw that, I was like, is this just like that type of thing where guys get a different haircut and now I'm like, do they look skinnier to me? Or is it just that they have a different haircut or a different, you know, beard or whatever? But yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think the more that I saw of him working out, the more it seems like he was leaner, specifically leaner than he looked in the off seasons in the past. Because I think in some ways, I think he played himself into shape a little bit as the season went on. Whereas if, if DeAndre and comes into the season in shape, that would be helpful for everyone involved. You know, I, I don't think yeah. Kevin Durant ever stops. So he's always in shape. I don't think Devin Booker ever stops so he's always in shape and you know we'll see what we learn about Bradley Beal but I have a feeling he's like those guys as well it's, that's what it takes to score 30 points in the NBA um so I'm, I, I assume that everyone if they well, all not, come not necessarily season, ask ask James Harden again but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I take your point <laughs> he, he's an enigma um but yeah that would be really 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 helpful um I think it's I, I take it as a positive sign, maybe, that he's taking the defensive role seriously because I just think about the additional dividends, what you could gain from a truly in-shape DeAndre Ayton going into the season, a guy who can play a little bit faster, a guy who, who Vogel can deploy in slightly more versatile defensive schemes. Or, or just can That's play not more. To say, you know, he doesn't play a ton of minutes. More. He's always been a guy who only he hovers around 28 to 30 and minutes per game And you could tell when year. he's tired. 
it, I actually it affects feel pretty his game good. pretty dramatically. I actually feel really good about Drew Eubanks as our backup. That being said, if Aiton can give us 33 minutes per game and not you know 29-30 this year, and Eubanks doesn't have to play as much, I think it makes us a better team. So you know, if he if this is the best conditioning of his career, that would be great. I'm not going to promise anyone that it is based on that one video, but he looks he looks lean. That's I see it too. Um, before we get off the Ring of Honor, the next one we got going into the Ring of Honor is Devin Booker, right? There's nothing really that happened between Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire for anyone to deserve to be on that list until you Devin don't think, Booker. You don't think Chris Paul is getting in? I don't think he is. You know, I don't you, think he is either. I, That's a joke. And, and look, <laughs> I, I don't think it's that crazy of a question. You know, I know he didn't play here long enough compared to a lot of these guys, but he did. He was the second best player on a team that made it to the NBA Finals, and that says a lot, I think. And you know, I don't think he'll get in anyway because I think it's there's like what's the formula? It's really kind of hard to figure it out. It's a combination of longevity and success. It's not just one or the other. You if know. they had won. In 2021, he'd Chris be in. Would have even if you, even if he was traded the next year, you know he'd be in. And I, I do wonder, you know, after Chris Paul has retired, maybe people will feel a little, little bit differently about him. Maybe he will find that kind of credit the way somebody like Sean Marion did. You know, obviously not for changing the game, but people appreciate your career a little differently once you're done. So I don't know. Maybe people will view it differently from the Suns' perspective once he retires. But I just don't think he will. So then who else would it be, right? The best player in that time outside of Devin Booker was Goran Dragic probably. And he's not getting in. <laughs> so they weren't ever good. They never made the playoffs. Another guy, another guy who maybe would benefit from if Ishbi had just called him up and said, hey, I'm sorry the former boss was an asshole. Yeah. But, uh, can, can Do you want to come hang out? Yeah. yeah Do you want to come be here for the Ring of Honor and see Steve Nash? Yeah. Yeah. So it's Devin Booker. Um, you know, you're looking at these, book. you're looking at these, um, a lot of these leaderboards. He's eighth in minutes played, you know, will be probably seventh or he'll be seventh. Yeah. By the end of next season, most likely, um, field goals. He's fourth overall in field goals. Um, so he could be even higher on that list, could even pass Sean Marion this season, depending on how many games he played he's number one in three-point field goals um and then of course you mentioned where he is in points and you know with Devin Booker I think the conversation isn't about whether or not he's going to be in the ring of honor he's going to be in the ring of honor it's it's how much more does he have to do to become the greatest Suns player ever at this point or is he that some I think some fans will probably say he is um the question is kind of what solidifies it for him because in some ways he's already been more successful than even Steve Nash or Sean Marion or Amari Stoudemire in that he's been to the NBA Finals as the best player on the team. Right. And, and you know, Chuck had that too. Yeah. But Chuck didn't have the longevity. Yeah. That and, and nowhere close already. at the, at this only, point. Right? Only played four seasons yeah. for Phoenix. Booker's doubling him um, up already. Look, I it, honestly, if you told me right now that you think Devin Booker is the best, the, here's the thing. Devin Booker is not the best son of all time if you use the word as who had the greatest peak. Like, who was the best player in the NBA at right. the time he when doesn't they were have Phoenix Sun? An MVP or I, two MVPs, right. I think that is probably still Charles Barkley. But does unless, it... It's just a different, unless, it's a different conversation, though, right? I think that's Charles Barkley, unless, I was just going to say, KD makes a crazy run at it this year, <laughs> yeah, which I think true. is not, like, totally out of the realm yeah, of possibility because KD is arguably still a top-five player in the NBA, as Chuck was in 1993. What we're really talking about is who is the greatest son of all time, and that's when you bring in the longevity, the emotional attachment. That and yeah, it's just how you feel. Yeah, really, that's what's the funny and part so about being a fan. If you were gonna, if you were gonna tell me right now that you think Devin Booker is the greatest son of all time, I wouldn't call you crazy. I wouldn't. I think he's on track to be. For me, I think he needs a couple more years. If he wins a championship, that solidifies it. It's done. Conversation. It's done. Over. Yeah. Game over. Uh, and you know, the sad more, part about being the Suns is if they make the finals again. He's probably got it, even if they lose. <laughs> but if yeah. he wins, for sure, yeah. He he's two healthy seasons away. Probably, I'm I'm like estimating here based on around how many points he's put in in the past. He's probably two healthy seasons away from capturing the all-time points record currently held by Walter Davis. Uh, he's going to he's fourth right now, as I said. He's going to pass Kevin Johnson in like the opening week of the season. By the way, so that'll be exciting. We should be looking out for that. 
Uh, assuming he has a fully healthy, not a fully healthy, assuming he has a healthy season this year and plays even like 60 games, he should pass Alvin Adams for second by the end of the season. Then it's going to take him like an entire year after that to be in the vicinity of catching Walter Davis, who's like 2,000 points ahead of Alvin Adams. But he can get there. Yeah. And he can get there within two years, which would still be far before even the end of his current contract extension, which I believe doesn't end until 2028. So if he's in Phoenix all the way through his contract extension, he's going to have every single record. If he <laughs> by, yeah, by the if, end of if that. he finishes his contract and then signs another contract, stays with the Suns, he'll probably be number one in basically everything. Like ba- like basically everything, you know. Maybe not rebounds because <laughs> you know the big yeah, men yeah, get yeah. the rebounds and stuff like that. But like we're talking points, assists, field goals. Three point three pointers, you know, th- every single thing that he could be. Every guard stat. Every guard stat, yeah. And even and then of course at that point it'll be of course wins, playoff wins, and those kinds of stats that really matter. It's actually I think to Suns fans. It's a good point. Where's he in assists? So he's seventh in assists right now. And he'll be sixth by the end of next season. He'll be he'll be sixth by the end of opening night because yeah, he's two he's assists two behind, behind Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. He's two behind <laughs> Jeff Hornacek, yeah. which is really funny. Um, Steve has seven thousand assists, and Book currently has twenty five hundred. Yeah, it's, that's so a tough say, one. That's a tough one. He might not get there. He'll get at least. I see Alvin Adams four thousand assists at third. He will at least get to third. Yeah, but passing KJ and Steve for the assist mark on <laughs> this franchise number is going to be tough. Seven thousand assists is insane. Six thousand nine ninety seven is what he has <laughs> as a Suns player. Um, but yeah, I think we're there. We're we're basically on track for Devin Booker to become the greatest Suns player ever. And if you believe that right now, like Sam said, you have evidence You're probably, on your side. <laughs> if you believe that right now, you are probably 18 years old, but you are also not crazy. You are yeah. not crazy for believing that. Yeah, yeah. Only the older Suns fans will, I think, argue with you there. And you know they have evidence as well on their side. So it's a fair argument. It's a fair conversation. But I think that. I think that even the longtime Suns fans could see a track where Devin Booker it just it just becomes clear, and you know, and I think it could happen by the end of this current contract that he has. And you know, if he signs another extension, then we'll have even more time to talk about it. Um, but what a fascinating career that he has! One thing I'll say too, I'll just mention it here. I responded, um, but we did get a message on Patreon about Amare and Sean Marion, and the question was if they could mentor anybody on the Suns, who would it be? Each of those guys. And I'll say my answer that I messaged back and I'd like to hear what you'd say. I'd say, oh, I think I'd pick both of them mentoring Tumani Kamara. Tumani Kamara. <laughs> I, well, I made the joke recently that Tumani yeah. Kamara is going to be a mix of the two of yeah, them. Yeah, we called him Tumari um, Kamarian. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I had to he, say that. He's kind of got, like, he moves a little bit like Amari when he catches the ball in offense. He does. But he, he screens also, like, like him. He, he, he attacks he fills, him like him. He fills the versatility generally on the court of what Marion is trying yeah. to do. He's got Marion's I mean, body. On, You're setting me up. It's it's Aiden for Amari for Amari, and you know why. Well, you yeah, know it's why. obvious. Come the aggression. Like you're gonna make yeah. me. You're gonna make me say it. Yeah, it's the aggression. It's you know if we could instill that mindset. But in DA, but you can't though, right? Unstoppable. I don't know. I haven't tried nobody's, all. Of the, nobody's just become that. I haven't you tried either all come the into torture the tricks, the interrogations. <laughs> the I don't know what they could do. You to either him. come into the NBA like that, like Blake Griffin did, or you don't develop that kind of aggression. I don't think so. I I don't know. I've been. I, saying I think that it would still years. help just for screening and rolling and angles years. and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a fair one. What about Marion? On this current team, yeah, that that one's tougher, yeah, if right? If it's not Tumani. Is it Booker? <laughs> could we re- could we maybe Josh Akogi could become a good shooter by stealing Marion's adopting his form, form? adopting Marion's <laughs> make form your form sud- worse, Josh Akogi. Su- su- tried everything a, else. Suddenly he's a forty percent catch and shoot <laughs> three point guy. <laughs> I would take that or or Kata Bates Diop or something is kind of it'd a guy be Kata Bates Diop, but role. like I don't know if that's worth it. Like I almost feel like it would be better if it was just Booker. <laughs> At that point, yeah. just to see what kind of dividends you get out of you know maximizing the top 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 end talent in Devin Booker, um, but yeah, fascinating. I'm excited for both of those guys. You got anything else before we go? Uh, no, just uh, yeah. Keep keep an eye out, obviously, for an extra episode this week. What do we got going on this week, Mike? Um, there's some Bahamian basketball. Yeah, that's happening that, right now that we're missing. It's hard to find online. That so. work. It is really hard yeah. to find. But obviously, we've talked about both Aiden and Eric Gordon are on that team. Buddy Heald as well for another talented NBA player. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see if we can maybe dig out the footage of I'm that. I'm definitely going to find that interesting. Yeah, any anything interesting coming from there? Otherwise, the schedule release. Uh, keep keep your eyes peeled for that as well. Yep. And thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to hear that extra episode we drop every week, patreon.com slash the timeline, $6 a month for an extra episode every week and join our discord for as low as $3 a month. Thank you everyone. And we'll be back talking about the schedule very, very soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.